Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Um, So today I get to introduce our guest speaker. I am stoked. Um, First of all, it's a blessing because I spent the whole week training, teaching, and coaching 100 church planners in Seattle. Joe Gruber was one of them. You guys know Joe Gruber. He's our Portland planter from here. He's going and we're planting a new Hope Church in Portland. Um, But I'm part of a network that trains and coaches church planners. And so I had like the most fun this week. That's I, I'm so ex- I'm fired up just getting to be around all these young planters and invest in their lives and see them them grow. Um, that that was a great week for me. Um, but today I'm excited because we have a, a church planter that is a legend in the faith. This man has been uh, a, a resource and a mentor, a legend in my life. Um, he's also he just just so happens to be the pastor that planted the Lighthouse Church that bought this building back in the day pretty cool. And then when I was, when my wife and I were planting Hope, we were new young church planners and we didn't have a church planning network like the one that I'm a part of now. And so I had to just go and like reach out to people and go, hey, can I stand on your shoulders? Can I learn from you? And one of the people that I reached out to, uh, he was living in San Francisco at the time. So I used to drive up there and we'd meet in Pacifica and get coffee and sit and look at the waves and talk um, with Pastor Barney Wiggett. So can we give a huge warm welcome to Pastor Barney. Thank you very much. Um, appreciate that, Danny. Thank you. I, I'm not sure that all those things are true, but, uh, but I, I'm glad you think they are. Um, I also wanted to thank you, Danny. You know, you asked me a couple of months ago to talk about suffering. And like the next week, I got a herniated disc in my back and got sciatica and was laid up for like five and a half weeks in my house. So thank you, thank you. (laughs) Wow, bro, I thought you liked me. (laughs) Um, It's really glad to be back, I'm really glad to be back in Santa Cruz and thank you very much uh, for welcoming me into this community. You know, we used to worship in this building and uh, uh, for, since 1986 we bought this building. with a song, I mean, we just had no money, but we bought it anyway, and then tried to keep it, you know, from falling down. I was in it during the earthquake up there in the upper office there, and uh, nearly fell down on all of us, you know, but uh, um, Danny and Jenny are doing, you're doing such a great job here. God bless you, really. Thank you for your sacrifice. You could have done some other things, and I mean, I know you're in it for the money, but I, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Right? That's why we got into this. Yeah, it's always made me rich, that's for sure. But this topic of, uh, uh, of uh, suffering is not really th- that academic for me, you know. Um, I've, and evil, suffering and evil, we'll talk about that. And I've, I've done my share of evil and, and uh, experienced my share of suffering. Uh, some of you know that uh, when I was pastoring in this building back in 2008, I... Uh, I lost my marriage. I broke my, all, this all happened in two months. I lost my marriage, broke my neck, and was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer, all like in two months. And then got, you know, 
uh, titanium rods to prop up my head and uh, a bone marrow transplant and it took about six months of you know trying to kill me. I, I swear they were trying to kill me. They were really trying to kill me uh, with chemo and radiation and all that. They bolted my head down to a table so they could shoot radiation in my neck and that, that was fun. Um, but you know, a lot of people have suffered a lot more than I have. I'm, I'm aware of that. When I was in my darkest times, I had a list next to me at the, uh, at the uh, taped on the wall of people that were sicker than me so that when I couldn't sleep at night, I would pray for them. Uh, but everybody's asked the question, where's God in all this, right? I mean, where's God in all of this kind of suffering and chaos in the world? And, and uh, um, so I, I wrote a, I published a book of a memoir of this kind of journey, of my journey, and we, Danny has allowed me to put some of them out there in the, in the courtyard, and uh, the profits all go to Freedom House. It's an aftercare uh, facility and home for uh, trafficking survivors that I'm affiliated with, and uh, and then and then our friends Dan and Lynn Wagner are. Oh. Many of you know Dan and Lynn. Um, talk about suffering in 2001, September 22nd, 2001, they lost their girls in a car accident. They were hit by a drunk driver. And that, that was 18 years ago and they have, their process, they've written two beautiful little books about their uh, process as well. And those are gonna, they're gonna be out there and in the courtyard and so you might wanna check those out as well. But I mean, you know, I mean, think about it, not just uh, my suffering, your suffering, but famine, you know, Holocaust, wars, uh, when nature turns against us in earthquakes. Like I said, I was in the building when the earthquake happened. Um, and, uh, you know, diseases, cancer and polio and smallpox and accidents in cars and plane crashes. And did you know that every 10 seconds a child dies of hunger? someplace in the world every 10 seconds. That ain't, that ain't right. Um, and terrorists uh, terrorizing the innocent and ch children are kidnapped and women are assaulted and humans are sold into slavery. What's up with that? I mean, what, if there's an all-loving God uh, and an all-powerful God at the same time, I mean, what's, how, does he, how does he allow all that? Well, these, you know, these are not just abstract you know, statistics, these are realities in the world that we live in. And I think sometimes Christians, we, we just, we don't want to think about that. Don't, I don't come to church to hear about, you know, children dying. But I think we have to grapple with it intellectually, and then I think we have to lament it emotionally and deal with it emotionally as, as humans, as fellow brothers and sisters. And I'm, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I know why all that stuff happens. I, I mean, what do I know? That's way above my pay grade. I don't know why God is in this and not doesn't and seems to stand aloof in that and this suffering and that suffering. I don't know in the particular sense. But what I'm hoping to do, what I'm going to do is kind of zoom out and look at it from the big picture uh, vantage point, okay? And I'm going to kind of go in rapid fire here. So I'm going to talk fast. You'll have to think fast. And what I've done is I've written these in six or seven blogs on barneywiggett.com. I mean, I, I figured that was a pretty safe domain name. Not too many people are going to take that, right? barneywiggett.com. 
And so if, if you miss something or if you want to, uh, and it's, it's a much more extensive uh, coverage of it there. Um, so take a look at that. But I'm just going to do my best to uh, you know, share a few thoughts with you. And the best I know at this point, I might change my mind at some point, not about the fundament fundamentals of who God is, but about how I process this, this dilemma, this conundrum, this difficulty of, of uh, an all-good God, an all-powerful God, and all the pain in the world. And I, I, I'll admit, I can't fit God in my head. I mean, if I could, he wouldn't be you know, big enough to worship. So I, there's one thing I can, I, I can process, and I do believe, and that is God is good. Take a look at this verse in Psalm 119.68, where the psalmist said, You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. You are good, and what you do is good. Let's say that together. You are good, and what you do is good. Let's say it again. You are good, and what you do is good. It's his nature to be good, and what he does is good. It comes out of his character uh, as the good God of the universe, the only God of the universe. So let's begin at the beginning. Back, you know this, there is a garden, right? Let's go back to that place in the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at this beautiful garden with a bad tree in it. So my first question, I've got a few questions, that, and every question I ask and every answer I give uh, opens other questions. So it's not like, uh, oh, okay, well, we've got this figured out now. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, let, let me give you at least some of the highlights of how I process a good and a great God with all the chaos in the world. So the first question is, why, why put a bad tree in a good garden? So you know about this, right? God created a garden, and he put Adam and Eve in this lush garden, and he, and he gave them two commands. Now, these were the easiest commands that God ever gave. Breed and eat a lot. That's it. I mean, that was the easiest thing that God ever told us to do. But then he said, oh, oh, by the way, don't eat from that particular tree. It's right in the middle of the garden, not on the edge of the garden, but it's right in the middle. It's off limits. Don't eat from that tree. Let's read it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. You are free, God said, to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Don't eat from that tree. And of course, you know, you remember the serpent, the snake comes in and he's got a different take on that. Uh, his, his take was God's ripping you off. He's not good. He's trying to steal from you. He's afraid of competition. So don't, uh, don't listen to God, listen to me, eat the fruit and you'll be good. And I think that's at the kind of the root of a lot of, all, maybe all temptation, where we doubt that God has our best interest in mind, that he's good. Because if he's good, then everything he commands and everything he wants is for our good. Because he's good and everything he does is good. Amen? So fact-checking the serpent's lie, God is good. And in fact, he's so good he can't help himself from doing good. He's full-on. He is full-on do-gooder. I mean, the quintessential do-gooder of the universe. That's his nature. So when he says, you know, don't eat this, it's, it's going to be for your best. So, but the problem is you, it's certainly not me, but you are flawed and finite. I, I'm not, but you are flawed and you're finite. You're, you're broken and you're limited in our ability to really process this, this thing because 
uh, I, 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 see, here's what Jesus said. Uh, uh, there, there's nobody good but God. That's what he said. There's nobody good but God. And so that means I'm not good and you're not good. All God's children are not good. So here's the deal. I would, because I'm not good, I wouldn't know good if it slapped me in the face. I don't, I don't, my, my ability to assess what's good is broken, so it's not so good. I don't have a real good way of assessing what's good. And so it, if, if, if goodness slapped me in the face, I, I would hardly know it. And it has slapped me in the face a lot over the years. The goodness of God, I needed to be, you know, slapped back into some sort of uh, uh, sanity. But why the tree? What's the deal with the tree? Well, we know the tree is there as a choice, right? There's a choice. Without a choice, there's only God. God puts them there and he says, yeah, but uh, I'm it, so love me or not. And uh, what, what else is there to love God? There's nothing else to love. He gives us a choice because love requires a choice. It requires a decision. It, it requires an alternative. If you have no alternative, there's, it, it can't be love because God wants humans, not humanoids. He wants friends. He doesn't want androids. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't put a chip in our brain. He, 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 you know, you can tell. You can tell Siri to tell you, "I love you," but but you only blush the first time, and after that, you you, you know she doesn't mean it. But that's see, that's not God. That's not the way God rolls. That He has this wants it to be reciprocated, given back to him. So there's something going on between us and not just no other choice, you know, but God. His great, see, here's, here, here's, here's the way I see God. It pleased him to create us in such a way as to find our highest pleasure in pleasing him. So the way that he, we're created, the way that we're made is to find our highest pleasure in bringing pleasure to God. So I think that God created a world where he doesn't always get his way. I think he created a world where he doesn't always get his way. Not in the short run, anyway. In the long run, yes. In the short run, I don't believe that he does. Because it's not his way that children die every 10 seconds of hunger. It's not his way that when women get abused. It's not his way when we kill ourselves in senseless wars. That's not his way. He doesn't always get his way. He's in control, but he's not controlling. He's in charge, but I don't believe that he uh, micromanages everything he's in charge of. See, this isn't the best world. This isn't the best of possible worlds. You know that, right? It, I mean, I'm to be here. I'm glad to still be alive, but this isn't the best of possible worlds. The next world that Chris and, and Danny talked about that is coming down and where heaven and earth meet again, that's the best possible world. This isn't the best possible world, but I believe that God in his wisdom created this world to be the best way to the, the best possible world. And the best way to that best possible world was to give us a choice so that we could either accept or reject his proposal of marriage. Because we're his bride, right? So he proposes to us, and we, but we don't have to say yes. We don't have to say yes. Um, oh, I, how many of you, okay, you're not going to raise your hand on this, so forget that. Some of you are old enough to remember Dionne Warwick. Come on now, come on, all right, thank you very much. Check out this song. 
I was in the coffee shop, I swear, last week, and I was working on this, and this song came on uh, the, the uh, sound system. And I'm not going to sing it to you. Everybody said amen. Um, what do you get when you fall in love? A, 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 you know, I didn't even remember these words. I mean, this is just very bad poetry, but it, it, it you know, rhymes and all. Well, what do you get when you fall in love? A guy with a pin to burst your bubble. That's what you get for all your trouble. I'll never fall in love again. Look at the next verse. This is, this is even really worse poetry. But what do you get when you kiss a guy? You get enough germs to catch pneumonia. After you do, he'll never phone you. I'll never fall in love again. Don't you know I'll never fall in love again? Okay, so the song does end up with her saying, singing, uh, until tomorrow. Tomorrow, I, I won't fall in. But here's the deal about love is that it's risky. It's risky. And God, it, because love is worth the risk, it really is. It, to love each other and to love God and for God to elicit love from us, it's a risky. It, his created order is a very risky business because a lot of people just don't love him back. A lot of people just don't love him back. And we got all this evil and suffering in the world. It was risky. And in some ways you might say, oh, it didn't turn out that well. Well, in God's grand scheme of things and on his way to the best world, I believe that it, it's, it's turning out the best it can with people having a choice. It's tough. It's a tough thing. J.K. Chesterton said, what's, somebody asked him, what's wrong with the world? He said, I am. I am. That's what's wrong with the world. I can't blame God for this world. I make my choices, and sometimes people get hurt as a result. God created the fact of freedom, and we have the possibility of the act of freedom. God is, uh, it's, it, you know, he made possible, he made evil possible by giving us the choice. We made it actual with our choices. God's fault, but it's easy to, to blame him when we're hurting. Let me ask you another question here. How much do we need to know? Okay, there's a knowledge tree in the middle of the garden. How much do we need to know? What's, I, I'm on a need-to-know basis. A lot of times I, I don't even want to know more than I, when people are barraging me with information that I, I just don't really care about, my eyes will glaze over and I'll smile, but I, I don't need to know all of that. And what do we need to know? God put a, a knowledge tree in the middle of the garden, and knowledge is usually a good thing. It's usually a good thing, but in this case, it's not all that good a thing. This kind of knowledge of good and evil, it, 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 he put it right in the middle of the, tree, uh, the garden, and why would he do that? I think it's an act of love. I think it's an act of love. I think God is, is giving us an invitation to trust him to know what is best. I think he's putting it right in front of us in Adam and Eve, so say, I love you so much, I, and I'm so much wiser than you. Please just trust me, and don't try to be me. Because if you try to be me, things won't work out that well for you. Be you, be you, and I'll be me. And See, I think he's asking us to trust his otherness. He's other. He's us. I think he's, because he knows that we can be most fully human when we trust his otherness, when we, when, when, when we lean into his goodness, when we believe he's wiser than we are and has our best in mind. I think that's, I think he's saying, oh, no, 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 
don't, don't try to be me. I'm going to give you the option to do your best to try to be me, but seriously, if you'll just leave the options to me. You're not, you're not going to get to know everything I know anyway, so please just trust me that I know what's best for your life. Like a parent with a toddler who wants to run out in the street and the parent drags, drags, the, kid, drags the kid back because he's saying, dude, you don't have all that you need to negotiate this traffic thing. You, you're not ready for this yet. So you, you have to hold my hand. And so in, in, in the analogy is that we are living in this, be, the, best of, the best way to the best possible world. We need to hold God's hand. And he's just saying, trust me, hold my hand. I'm good. I love you. I want the best for you. And I'm trying to rip you off like the devil says. And of course, that's what the snake would say. You know, he twists the narrative into, you know, God's being stingy. He's afraid of the competition. He doesn't want you to know what he knows. Then you'll have no need for him. He's insecure. Listen, God isn't insecure. Somebody say amen about that. He's not insecure. He knows who he is. He's all good. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you and directs you in the way you should go. That, come on. That's all I need to know. That he's God, I'm not, and he knows what's best for me and he'll, if I'll just follow him. But ever since we ate that fruit, we've been trying to be God ever since then. And rather than trusting him to lead us in a path of righteousness for his name's sake, our default is selfness. We're all about, our orbit is right here. And unless we break out of that and go, oh, no, 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 I, my orbit has got to be somebody bigger than me, then we're going to have trouble. There's only one wise God, and it isn't you, and it isn't me. There's only one. Amen? Third question, how much do you actually know? How much do we actually know? And I, this doesn't all fit in the package here. I'm not trying to answer every question. But they ate this fruit. And it didn't turn out to be as satisfying as they, as they were led to believe by the snake. You're going to be like God, you know. It didn't turn out that way. And their, their knowledge wasn't all that great. It, didn't, it, it wasn't really all that, all that. It, they didn't get a God-sized knowledge out of it. They, that's not what happened. Now they knew good and evil. They knew some good and, and can't do it. And now they know some evil and can't help from doing it. Like Paul said, I, uh, the good that I would, I do not, but the evil that I would not, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? In other words, they, we know good and evil, but we don't know it like God knows it. And it really didn't turn out that great, you know, for us. Um, check out this verse in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. We know in part... We prophesy in part when completeness, that would be Jesus, comes. When uh, what is in part disappears, for we see only a reflection in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, uh, then I shall know fully as I'm fully known. It's not for us to know it all right now. Omniscience is his gig. It's not mine or yours. And I think this is one of the reasons... I think this is one of the reasons that life is so frustrating and chaotic for us is because rather than trust God's goodness, we think we know more than we do and we think we can fix more than we can fix. Right? 
So when we can't figure out stuff, you know what? I, I don't know about you, but I blame somebody. If I can't figure something out, blame is my default. And read the, the book of Job where he blames God. His friends blame him. It's this heat-seeking uh, thing, this blame thing. It, it finds an easy target. And often it's God. Often it's, often it's everybody else. Um, then this other verse in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts above yours. Uh, Paul said, I, who's known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Dude, you, he does not need your advice. Um, I, a lot of my prayer life is advising God, um, but it, it doesn't seem to... Uh, he just doesn't seem to take it, unless it's a good idea, and then, then he goes, yeah, that's close to a good idea. I, I, I believe that God is unpredictable. He's predictably good. But he is, the way that he manages his goodness and expresses it and acts on it, dude, I, 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 I just can't find a predictable pattern. I want a predictable pattern. I, I want that. I want things to fit in a tidy category, but God just doesn't manage his character in the way that I would have imagined or would appreciate at times. Uh, he's predictably good, but he's not predictable. So here, here's my, my faith is rooted as much or more in the character of God as it is in the capability of God. We're all aware of how capable God is, right? I mean, he created the universe, and you look around, and you see all these wonderful people, and you go, wow, he's capable. But if you root your faith there instead of only and not in his character, then what you do is you say, well, he can, so he must, and he will, and I expect him to, and if he doesn't, well, then I'm going to go find somebody else to worship. No, 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 our, our faith should be rooted in his character and let his wisdom and his character exude the, the, his capability in such a way and act on his capability in such a way as he finds a fit and, and does his thing. Because he's God, he's, all, he's God all by himself. Amen? Mm. I, I, I'm into his capability too, but my first stop is the character of God. That's my first stop. So, okay, last question, last, we're there, we're almost there, is, is, so what does God know about suffering anyway? I mean, what does he know? He's God. What does he know? We're down here, he's up there, what does God know? Thanks for asking. Um, why do bad things happen to good people? Think about it, there's only one time in history when bad things happen to a truly good person. Because he said, God, there's none good but God, and so it's, it, it ain't us. When bad things happen to a truly good person, that would be Jesus. Look at this verse in Isaiah also. It seemed like I was reading Isaiah, I guess. He was, Jesus, was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering. Jesus is talking about familiar with pain, like one in whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low, low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Dude, this just blows my mind that the Creator Himself suffered at the hands of His creation. Wow. 
And, and, and he, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, so he, this was a plan. <laughs> wow. I, don't, I mean, if, I, if I'm God, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. See, there's no precedent for that. There's no other story that equals that story, that the Creator suffers at the hands of His Creator. Jesus suffered for us, and the Father, think about this, the Father suffered as he watched the torment of himself. What does he know about suffering? A, a lot. A lot. He's not like a, like a war correspondent that's, you know, aloof from the war and, and, and reporting on it. He's in it. He, in it. he inserted himself in it, and nobody knows suffering like God knows at the cross. The Son and the Father experiencing the eternal agony of our punishment. I don't, I just can't even quantify that. I can't. Yeah, so he suffered for us. But check this out. This is what I learned in my own paltry suffering. He suffers with us. He's with us. He's been suffering ever since he had to remove Adam and Eve from that garden. He's been suffering. He suffered when their son, one of their sons killed the other one. He suffered when he had to wipe out the planet to give a, a new start because it had just gone so awry. He, he suffers when every child dies of hunger every 10 seconds. He suffers when every woman is assaulted, when we kill each other. Listen, we worship a suffering God. He's suffering with you. So I don't, I don't know why he doesn't always insert himself and in, in intervene in a way that it fixes my problem. But I, 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 I do know that he suffers with me. It's, it's uh, a reporter asked, her asked Mother Teresa and said, when a baby dies alone in a dark alley in Cal Calcutta, where was God? Mother Teresa said, God was there suffering with that baby. And then she said, question really is, where were you? Sometimes he intervenes and sometimes he doesn't, but when he doesn't, he weeps with us. In His tears dropping on me from above. I'm serious. Um, when we suffer, he can truly say, I know, I, I know. I know, I, I've been there. I am there. And much worse. This, I want to sing a song, and uh, then I'm going to come back and pray. But I, I want you to uh, immerse yourself in the reality of the goodness of God. I, God is good. And what he does is good. You are good, and what you do is good. Let's say that. You are good and what you do is good. Let's just, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment and meditate on that. And We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers. 
donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.